Luke chapter 7, verse 36, says this. I want to I preach to you about something. I really believe that if you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, God is going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe that if you need deliverance, you can be delivered in this house. I believe that if you have a situation that seems impossible, if you will step out, if you will reach for it, if you will go beyond what's comfortable, I believe God is going to do something in your life. Even in the church building, when the Spirit of God's moving, we got to take a step of faith and God begins to move. Luke 7, 36 says this. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Let me hear you say she was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet. And anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee. Now watch this. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He spoke within himself. Saying. This man. If he were a prophet. I want you to catch that. This man. If he were a prophet. Would know who in what manner of woman This is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. Mm. You have one man who said, if this man were a prophet, he would not let her do this. And you have another woman who knows she's a sinner. That says, if I can just get to his feet. And Jesus answered unto the Pharisee Simon and said, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing which they were to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more Simon answered and says I suppose the one whom he forgave more and he said to him you have rightly judged then he turned to the woman and said to Simon do you see this woman I entered your house you gave me no water from my feet she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head 
You gave me no kiss. But the woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he looked at the immoral woman, which we know most likely was a prostitute. He looked at her and he said, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table within themselves began to say to themselves, who is this? My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Who is this who can forgive sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Can you lift your hands across this place right now? I want to pray. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, by the authority of the word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that every heart would be open. I pray that the spirit of revelation would be loosed upon their minds and spirits, God, right now. Lord, I pray that people in this place would see Jesus. I pray that people in this place would truly, really see Jesus Christ and they would be able to see who they are in the name of Jesus Christ I pray that the gift of faith by the authority of the word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus would be loose in this place and God that you do miracles God that you lose healing God that you fill people with your spirit God that you do a miracle in this place in minds and hearts in the name of Jesus Christ if you believe that go ahead and give God glory right now and Thank him for what he's going to do. My God, my God, you can be seated in Jesus' name. I want you to see, thank you, Nathaniel, you did an amazing job. Thank you so much. I want you to see right here that what's amazing about this story is you have a Pharisee, a religious leader, He's got the long robe. He's got the pedigree. He's got the doctrinal degree, if you will. He knows more than everybody else in that room except Jesus. But when he looked at Jesus, he did not see Jesus. He was around Jesus, but he did not see Jesus for who he really was. And the Bible is a book of contrast, you see. The Bible is full of contrast. It's the way that God reveals things. It's the way that he pulls the cover off. The only way that your eyes can really be opened is that when you see it with the cover on and then you see it with the cover off, that's revelation. Revelation's when he contrasted where you can't see it, now you can see it. It's when he shows you somebody who doesn't know Jesus, who's somebody who doesn't care about Jesus, somebody that is full of themselves and says, I don't need Jesus because of my pedigree, because of my long robe, because of all all that I know, my intellect, I don't need this man. But then the Bible has that person on one side and then it contrasts with a woman, prostitute, all the way on the other side. 
who says, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. You see, what drove her to the place to take that perfume that took her probably about a year at least to pay for it, a year's wage. Even the apostles were upset by the fact that she dumped all that perfume on Jesus. Even the apostles were trying to spiritualize her emptying out. Even the apostles said, we could have taken this, these, this perfume, we could have sold it and given it to missions. We could have taken this perfume and, and sold it and helped us with our travels, with our mission, with being able to reach the lost. Even they didn't completely see Jesus the way she saw him. They only had even themselves part revelation up to that point because they still did not completely understand who was sitting before them. My God. The Lord is showing you a principle. That when you begin to see Jesus, really see Jesus. When your eyes begin to be opened, you also begin to see yourself. Oh, mighty God, mighty God. The Pharisees couldn't see themselves. They couldn't see who they really were. They couldn't see that they were dead men's bones. They couldn't see that they were full of white, white sepulchers. They couldn't see that they were full of snake's venom. They couldn't see it. They were blind because they couldn't see Jesus. And when you can't see Jesus, you won't see the state or the location of where you really are. And the problem is you can't really go where God wants you to go until you begin to understand the location of where you are right now. In order to head a certain direction, you've got to know your coordinates now. In order to get to the destination, you've got to know your location now. I'm talking to everybody, not just guests. I'm talking to everybody under the sound of my voice. Because here's the thing. The Bible says, except a man be born again of water and spirit, they can't see the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. If any man would hear my voice and open, I would come unto him. And eat with them. I will have a relationship with them. What Jesus is telling us is that he stands at the door and he knocks. And if you can recognize who's at the door. You can recognize who's there and understand the power, the dominion, the anointing, the glory, the love, the peace, the joy, the hope. If you can recognize and hear his voice. You'll open the door of your heart and let him in. But it's not good enough to open the door 20 years ago and then shut it. It's not good enough to open the door 10 years ago and then keep it shut. We have to. He's standing at the door of our heart every single day. He's standing at the door of your heart every single day. He is speaking every single day. And he wants to see who is listening and who will open the door. It's not just good enough that 20 years ago I was born again of water and spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, and I began to see the kingdom. At one point, the Pharisees began to see the kingdom, but then they stopped seeing it. They were standing right before Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I am the one that was in the burning bush. I am that I am. He said, I am 
the self-existent one. And they said, you're not even 50 years old. How are you going to be Abraham's father? You're not even 50 yet. They couldn't see. They couldn't see Jesus. And when you can't see Jesus, you can't see where you're at. You can't see that you're still broken. You can't see that you're still addicted. You can't see that you still need him. You can't see that you are longing for something and it's not satisfying whatever you're reaching for. That's why the enemy can't convince everybody that God doesn't exist. He knows he can't. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that, he that cometh to God must believe that he exists. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Those are the two main ways the enemy comes to destroy your faith. He's, the Lord is revealing, he's giving you a revelation. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And here's how your faith will be attacked. The enemy's going to come and try to convince you that God doesn't exist. That's the first way. But everybody in this church, he can't convince you that God doesn't exist. So he's going to try to convince you that God does not reward those that diligently seek him. The enemy knows he can't get you to say, you know what? I throw in the towel. I'm an atheist. I'm just going to walk by humanism from here on out. That's crazy. He, he, He would lose a whole lot of disciples, if you will, if that's all he tried to do. He knows that you're going to have faith to a degree, but he wants to pervert that faith. He wants to twist that faith. He wants to hinder that faith by trying to convince you of something God isn't. He doesn't want you to see Jesus. He doesn't want you to see who Jesus really is. He doesn't want you to see the power that he's really got. He doesn't want you to see the love that he wants to just pour out upon you. The enemy does not want you to see Jesus. Because if you can see Jesus, you can see how broken, you can see how flawed, you can see how messed up. You can see you need a savior. You'll never reach for a savior if you don't know you need one. You feel that just step in the room right now? I feel the spirit of revelation. I feel the authority of God. You will never reach for a savior unless you are broken and you know you're broken. Unless you're addicted and you know you're addicted. Unless you know you're broke. Why would you reach for a savior if you don't think you need to be saved? Why would you try to be healed if you don't? He looked at the Pharisees and he says, I didn't come for those that are whole. He said, those that are whole don't need a physician. I came for the sick. I came for those who recognize me and recognize where they are. He said, I came for those who understood I'm broken. Understood I'm lost. Understood I can't do this in my own strength you see God is not looking for perfection he's looking for correction he's looking for somebody to say I can't do this myself God I yield and I submit to you you're not weak because you say you're addicted you're not weak because you say you're broken you're not weak when you say you've got flaws and that you can just be really dumb make some bad mistakes you're not weak for that no he said in your weakness i'm gonna make you strong it's when you get honest it's when you open up that's true humility 
True humility is not walking around like this. I'm just a loser. That's not humility. Humility isn't this. Humility is, I can't do this in my strength. Humility is, I, I don't have what it takes without Jesus. Humility is, I cannot be fruitful without being connected to the vine. I cannot be fruitful. I'm just a branch. And a branch is nothing by itself without the connection of the vine. And if I can just get connected to the vine, I'll be fruitful with love, joy, peace, hope, long-suffering. I will see... That is humility. God said he resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. God resists the proud. Simply put, the proud are just those that lift up and say, I can do this myself. I don't need him. It's that simple. The contrast of pride and humility is pride says, I'm self-sufficient. The voice of this country. I am self-sufficient. I don't need anybody. I'm going to do my own thing. And you wonder where the supernatural is? He gives grace to the humble. Grace is God's supernatural empowerment. Grace is when God begins to operate, where you begin to see things happen in your life supernaturally. It's when you begin to go beyond what you can do yourself. So what God is saying is he won't even release the supernatural until he sees humility. Again, humility is not just a posture. Humility is a state of mind. It's an understanding. I can't make it without Jesus. But you'll never know know if you never see him James chapter 4 some of you are misunderstanding what I'm saying I'm trying to help you right now. I'm trying to help you to see it can it, it, pride and humility is a state of mind. It, it, it's a state. It, it's a condition. It's where I think I can do it myself. And you can be in the church for 50 years and be full of pride. You can be in the church for three days and be so full of humility and God starts doing miracles, signs and wonders through you. Not because of you, but because he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. First Peter five, five through six says. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one to another and be clothed with humility. It's just like you got to get dressed every day. Every day you got to wake up and say, God, without you, I can do nothing. You've literally got to put that garment on that says, God, you've got to wrap yourself in the vine every single morning and say, I can't do this without you, Jesus. I've got to be connected, Jesus. I am nothing without you, Jesus. And then he begins to say, watch what I'm going to start doing in your life. The self-sufficiency is going to just resist yourself against God. You think it's the devil and God's going, I'm having to resist what you're doing because you're trying to do it in your own strength. We give the devil a little too much credit. Sometimes God brings circumstances and situations because he's trying to bring you to a place of yieldedness and submission. 
and he is resisting. Not because he's mad at you, not because he doesn't love you, but because he loves you. He's resisting you because he needs you to submit for your own soul's sake and for all those other souls that you're connected to. Be clothed with humility. Submit yourselves. God resists the proud, verse 5. Resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Bishop Wright talks about this all the time. He says, if, if true, the action of humility is casting your care. It's by taking all those things you're trying to carry and putting it in the hands of God and saying, God, I can't carry this. If you're really yoked to Jesus, then he's carrying the weight. But if you're not yoked to him, then you're going to be heavy laden. You're going to have a hard time getting There's going to be no rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. How is his yoke easy and his burden light? His yoke is easy and his burden's light because it's your yoke to him. You're yoked to the one that's got the supernatural grace that can carry it for you. But if you're not yoked because you're saying, I can do this myself. I can make these decisions myself. I can be who I want to be. And I'll just put, I'll just worship God on Sundays. I'll just love him on these days, but I'm going to do what I want on these days. And God's going, well, I'm going to resist you on these days. I'm not just talking to the guests today. I'm just trying to follow the flow of the Holy Ghost. God's trying to help every person in this place. He has been dealing with me that when I really see Jesus, my eyes, here's the thing. It's impossible, impossible to truly, really see Jesus and not see your destitute state. I said it's impossible to really see Jesus and not see your flawed, destitute, broken state. And if you're sitting here saying, I'm not broken, I got all together, let me tell you something, you ain't seen Jesus. It's impossible to truly see him where he knocks on the door and says, would you open the, you might have seen him at one point. The Pharisees saw him at one point. They saw the glory of God at one point, but they stopped opening the door to him. They opened the door to a lot of other stuff, but not to him. <laughs> they let everything else in. They let pride. In Jesus, they let, they, they let all these things in. Love of money. Love of position. They were opening the door to everything but Jesus. Because he literally, physically stood at the door of their heart, physically, and said, I am. He physically was knocking on the door of their heart right in front of them. And they wouldn't open it because they couldn't see him. The Bible says in John chapter 12, verse 39, Jesus is, Jesus is um, Quoting a prophecy from the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah that says this. Therefore, they could not believe. John 12, 39. Because Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes. He resists the proud. He hath hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. 
These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praises of men rather than the praises of God. They loved the praises of men rather than the praises of God. The reason we don't see Jesus is because we're too worried about seeing everybody else. We're too worried about everybody else seeing us. We're not worried about us seeing Jesus and Jesus seeing us and us admitting we're in a destitute state and we need him. They loved the praises of God, of man rather than the praises of God. Jesus is quoting Isaiah from the prophet Isaiah. See, this is the beauty about Jesus. He doesn't care where you came from. That prostitute was an absolute mess, so much to the point that the Pharisees thought she was despicable. Like, why is she even in this house? You're going to let that woman touch you? Yeah, she's seen me. She's seen me. And she has taken that perfume. Do you realize that perfume represented her identity? That That perfume represented her prostitution. That's what she'd wear. That's what she put on. She clothed herself in the world and immorality. But she was willing to bring that to Jesus and say, because I've seen you, because I see that you love so much, because I can see that you are so such a loving God and that I'm going to pour all I ever was. I'm going to pour it out upon you. Because when she saw Jesus, she also saw her destitute state. And Jesus said, I can do a lot with that, but I can't do a lot with a Pharisee or with a person who's in the world that says, I'm fine. I got it all together. I'm going to do what I want. Jesus is like, I love you, but I, I'm going to have to resist you until you're willing to come to me in humility. that says, I can't do this without you. Isaiah chapter six, where Jesus was quoting in the scripture in John, if you go to Isaiah six. This was the prophet, and he said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, that's angels. Each one had six wings. With twain, he, with two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with the other two, he did fly. And one cried, one to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, whose whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Now watch Isaiah's reaction. Isaiah says, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king. Then one of the seraphims the, the angels came unto him with live coal from the altar in his hand. And he took those tongs from the altar and he laid it upon my mouth. And he said, lo, this has touched thy lips and thy iniquity is taken away and your sins are purged. If You keep reading in the story. 
It was also Isaiah that says, here I am, Lord, send me. You can't say send me until you say woe is me. Because if you don't see the Lord and then you don't see your state, you can't get forgiveness. You can't be delivered. You can't receive. Maybe, see, we get very frustrated. We're like, where are the miracles? The miracles are when we start getting honest. The miracles are when we start saying, you know what? I need him. If you are not seeing the grace of God operate in your life, Jesus can give you the grace of God in an instant. The supernatural power of God can flow to your life immediately. The moment you repent. And repentance is an acknowledgement of, I can't do this without him. Isaiah understood when he saw the Lord is when he was able to say, woe is me. Because when you really see Jesus, when you really see the glory of God, when you really see him, it brings you to a place of submission and yieldness. It says, I need you, God. I can't make it without you. And all of a sudden, God just starts doing things in your life. He starts changing. He starts renovating your mind. I I'd said this to our daughter work. I said, when you give God your heart, he begins to renovate your mind. But it's not until you truly give him your heart and say, Lord, my heart is broken. It's messed up. I've made so many mistakes. I'm flawed. It's in that moment when you get honest. Where all of a sudden God begins to truly change your life and renovate your mind. It was in Luke chapter 5 when Jesus came to Peter and he said, drop your net on the other side. Peter said, Lord, we've been doing this all night. He said, just do it. Drop your net on the other side. Peter goes and he drops his net on the other side of the boat. Catches such a great drought of fish. That Peter said, depart from me. I am a sinner. Because he began to see Jesus for who he was. It's all over the book. When you really begin to see Jesus. That's true repentance. True repentance is when you see him. And you see you and you see the gap and you go, I need to be saved. I need him in my life every single day. I need deliverance. I need hope. I need joy. I need peace. When you really start seeing Jesus, you really start seeing you. And that's when things can begin to change. The book of Job chapter 42 verses 5 says this. <clears throat> I have heard of thee. By the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes have seen thee. I've heard everybody else talk about you. I've heard the religious talk about you. I've read about it. I've heard about it. But now my eyes have seen you. Now watch what he says next. Wherefore. I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. In another translation, it says, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. 
the most beautiful thing is when you begin to recognize how bad you need Jesus. Mm. If you're taking this as a beating up message, you've completely missed the whole thing. And probably if you're taking it that way, you're probably revealing you don't really see Jesus. Because by your response to that, you're saying, I don't need this. Just like the Pharisees, while Jesus was in the room, they said, I don't need this. I've already arrived. Have you seen my cloak? You see my pedigrees on the wall? You see, how we respond to the word right now, we don't even realize how much like the scripture we're acting. And that's how God contrasts things. The way that God does this is he literally gives you people in scripture. He gives you experiences in scripture to teach you how not to respond or how to respond. And then we get into the atmosphere where Jesus is and we start responding like those we shouldn't respond like. That's how far removed we can be from seeing Jesus. The woman brought everything she was. And it was admitting, I'm a prostitute. I'm an immoral woman. I'm a sinful woman. She brought that perfume that represented the sin. And she dumped it on Jesus because she could see him. She knew who he was. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm trying to help. There are people in this place where you think you're too far gone. You think you're too destitute. You Listen, this woman literally took, this woman spent her whole life on destitute living, immoral living. And Jesus loved her with such a great love. You're never too far gone. You're never too far gone. The only way you push yourself away from Jesus is when you don't see him and you don't see you. If you're not willing to open your heart and repent and be converted and say, God, I messed up. I'm flawed. I'm far from arrival. I've I make mistakes all the time. I don't think right. I'm always angry. I'm always mad. I'm always I'm always lusting. I'm always anxious. I'm always uh, whatever, whatever you're dealing with. If you would admit it and open your mouth. Your eyes would start being opened to the supernatural in a way in your life like you'd never, ever experience. I don't feel to preach hard right now. I feel to help somebody in the Holy Ghost because some people are going to get healed today internally. There's going to be internal healing that's going to flow to your heart. If you'd be willing to be honest. Because if you would get honest with God. About what happened to you when you were a child. If you get honest with God about how you were literally neglected and abused. Thrown to the side. If you'd get honest with God about that. And be real with him about what you've been through. Say God it messed me up. You see. In American culture, even in church culture, we come in dressed really nice. And the whole idea is we want to try to look like we're self-made. That is the exact opposite of the kingdom. You are not self-made. You're not. Yeah, I'm glad you've been successful. 
I'm glad you've been successful in some things, maybe in business and other things, but here's the thing. You will never be where you need to be in God, in relationship, if there's not honesty and true humility is, God, I can't do this. God, I can't make it. And I believe in the Holy Ghost right now. There is some healing that's about to flow in this place. And there's some people where stuff you've been carrying, baggage you've been carrying. Oh, I feel, oh, let me just step into this for a second. There is stuff that you have been holding on to and putting in the closet. And God has been trying to shake that closet to bust those doors open. And you're using all of your strength to keep the hidden closet. You're trying to keep that closet closed because you don't want people to see what you've been through. But when God sees, he already knows when you get honest and you open up and you say, God, I lay at your feet what I went through when I was five years old. God, I lay at your feet what I went through. And that's why Paul said, but such were some of you. You were a fornicator. You were immoral. You were a drunkard. You were, you were, you were. But, but for the grace of God, but his mercy came down because you got honest. When you got honest and said, God, I was molested. God, I was raped and I felt like a victim. I walked around like a victim my whole life. I walked around with all this brokenness. God, I'm broken. Here's my perfume. And you throw it at his feet and you dump it on Jesus and you truly pour it all out. Healing begins to flow. Grace, I feel the Holy Ghost. Grace begins to flow when you get honest. When you get honest, grace begins to flow. When you get honest and say, God, I can't do it. Come on, Kevin, I'm talking to you. When you get honest and say, God, I'm broken. I wish the church began to pray. I heard somebody just the other day say, it's not the product that determines the worth. It's the buyer. The buyer has determined your worth and he bought you with a price. He went to the cross and he said, I love you so much. I love you so much that I'm going to give it all. Why are you holding on to certain things and keeping them in the closet when he literally laid it all out for you? So if you would see Jesus, if you would see Jesus, if you would see Jesus, you begin to see where you're at and say, God, I want to be born again. I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Why? Because I want to see the kingdom. I want to see the kingdom. Come on, the altars are open right now. The Spirit of God is moving. The Spirit of God is moving right now. If you need to respond, if you need the Lord to touch your heart right now, Nathaniel, you can come. If you need the Lord to touch your heart right now, I'm telling you, whether you're a guest, whether you've been here your whole life, if you would be honest with God and say, God, I can't make it by myself. You see, sometimes we're not even willing to be humble enough to walk to the altar or to get on our knees in the pew and say God what if people think I'm broken we're all broken there's none that do with good no not one we've all fallen short of the glory of God that's why he died on the cross the reason he died on the cross was because you can't make it by yourself you need a savior you need a savior come on church come on church 
Stop determining your worth and selling yourself short. Jesus is the one that determines your worth. And your worth is despite being broken, despite being destitute, despite having issues. He said, I died for you. I laid it all down for you. I laid it all down for you. This is why the Bible tells us, except a man or woman be born again, they can't see the kingdom of God. Come on, church. We got people that are praying. Can you help some people pray in these altars? There's some people that are laying some things and being honest before God right now. Come on, church. Let's pray. If you're a guest and you need prayer, you can go ahead and lift your hands at your seat right where you are. But God is going to help you right now to get honest. Come on, he's standing at the door. He's knocking. Jesus is standing at the door of your heart right now, and he's knocking. If any man will open the door, 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 in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus, there needs to be an intersection between your spiritual eyes and your heart where your heart yields to what your eyes have seen. Your heart has to submit to God and yield to what your eyes have seen. My eyes have seen the Lord. Therefore, I want to yield to God. I want to give him everything. I want to give him everything. I want to give him everything. My eyes have seen the Lord. Therefore, I want to yield my heart to him because he's so good. He's such a good God. He loves me with such an everlasting love. His grace will start to work in your life because he resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Woe is me. I am a man that is of unclean lips. Come on, right now, you can begin to pray at your seat. If you if that's what you feel comfortable doing, that's fine. You go ahead and pray at your seat. If you want somebody to pray for you, you can just stand at your seat or lift your hands at your seat. And somebody will come and pray for you. But right now, we got to get honest with Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. I'm desperate for you. Jesus is the one that determines your worth. Jesus is the one that determines your worth. Jesus is the one that determines your worth. It's not you who determines it. It's not others that determine it. It's not haters. It's not enemies. It's not even family members who determine your worth. It's Jesus. You are worth a great value so much. He laid it all, God, manifested in flesh, laid it all on the altar. He laid it all on the cross. He laid it all on the cross. He laid it all on the cross. Hallelujah. He laid it all on the cross. I'm desperate for you. 